today, um, I want to begin uh, with what Albert Einstein once uh, had said. And he said this, three great forces rule the world, stupidity, fear, and greed. But I think among the three, fear is the greatest and most pervasive force of all. In fact, I think stupidity and greed can all come from fear. Fear of rejection, uh, of being accepted and all that, that could cause us to do all kinds of stupid things. Fear of scarcity and insufficiency could exacerbate our greed. And I really th think that fear is the strongest force of all. Because fear exercises a very powerful influence over us. It paralyzes us, it makes us small, and it's what really prevents us from truly living. For artists, fear is probably their biggest enemy, what prevents them from putting that first stroke on the blank canvas. Fear is what prevents us from doing anything meaningful in life, and it freezes us. In the same way, when it comes to our journey of faith, I believe that fear is the biggest impediment to our journey. It is our stumbling block. We all have our fears. Some are rational. Some fears are totally irrational. Big or small, we all have our fears. But the thing with fears is that you can never get rid of them. They will always be there. No matter how many times you think you may have dealt with them, they will always be there showing up when we least expect it. In certain situations, certain fears that we have will just all of a sudden come up and we will have to deal with them over and over again. But the thing about fears is that we don't have to be mastered by them. We will always have to deal with them, but we don't always have to be mastered by our fears. We can deal with them and overcome them. And the only way to do that is through faith. Overcoming fears. I think this is what the disciples had to learn throughout their entire life. The three full years that they spent with Jesus, this was probably the one thing that they had to learn to do. How to not run away from our fears, but to face them and to overcome them. And it took them a very long time. They didn't get it right away. They thought they had overcome it. But then the next situation that they go in, they react in the exact same way, and they freeze up because they're afraid. And they stumble every time when they face their challenges. And that's what we see in today's passage. Today's story takes place at a place called the Sea of Galilee. And the thing about the Sea of Galilee is that it was known for having these very sudden and fierce storms. It wasn't very deep, so whenever the wind struck, it could cause all kinds of storms. And plus, many Jews in general didn't like the sea because they believed that it was filled with scary creatures. So they had this superstitious belief when it came to the sea, and they didn't like going there. And they saw it as a place of chaos, violence, and unpredictability. And it was here that the disciples struggled against the waves all night. By the morning, we see them tired, beaten, discouraged, and even more fearful than they were before. In fact, they were so afraid that when they saw Jesus coming at a distance on the water, they didn't even recognize him. 
the person, the one person that they spent every single day, they, uh, day with, they didn't recognize. That's what Matthew describes. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But we have to remember that this isn't the first time that the disciples experienced something like this at sea. When you look earlier in Matthew, the disciples get caught in a big storm at sea while they are with Jesus on the boat. And as soon as the storm hits, they panic, freak out, and this is what happens. And they went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. This didn't happen too long ago. And we see a very similar reaction. So the reaction that we see from the disciples today is completely understandable. They were deeply afraid. They already had some kind of trauma from being out at sea and having gone through something like this. And fear, what it can often do is distort how we see things in our lives. And I realize that our attitude toward life is very much like how the disciples relate to the sea. We often look at it with the eyes of fear. We see it as uncertain and unpredictable. We can't trust it because we don't know what will happen tomorrow, let alone the next hour. And we've been traumatized by the storms that our life has brought on us. And we are usually anxious because of it. We constantly live in some sort of anxiety. Many times we try to deal with it on our own. We do our very best to be in control. We plan, we do all kinds of things to make sure that nothing will go wrong. But each time, we find that that itself isn't enough. Because what ultimately happens? We lose control, we become frightened and overwhelmed, and our fears leave us feeling powerless and more fearful than ever before. And we remain in our little boats, unable to move. But what does Jesus say to his disciples? He reminds them, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. Jesus is making an emphatic statement. When he says, it is I, he's not just saying, oh, it's me. I here means I am. And in the context of scripture, I am is the name of the divine. I am was what God said to Moses when Moses encountered him at the burning bush. I am who I am. In the Gospel of John, I don't know if this was covered when uh, we did that Jesus in the Gospels, but Jesus makes a number of I am statements. He will say, I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in saying these words, Jesus is telling the disciples, trust me, you have nothing to be afraid of. And these words give a feeling of confidence and fearlessness to one person in particular, Peter. I mean, who else among the disciples? Who else but Peter in situations like this? 
Hearing these words, it is I, he all of a sudden experiences this spiritual moment. It seems as if, for a moment, he is no longer the influence of his fears. When Jesus tells Peter to come to him, Peter, in his usual way, just gets out of the boat, doesn't even think, and does the unthinkable. Walks on, starts walking on water. But what happens then? But when Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. As soon as he noticed what was going on around him, he became terrified. Peter's eyes quickly turn away from Jesus to what's happening. For a moment, he was good. But as soon as something goes wrong, his eyes turn to what's happening around him. And he becomes afraid again. He loses composure and panics, and he begins to sink and drown. Like Peter, our eyes can so easily shift from Christ to what we see around us. We focus on what is wrong with our situation. And as soon as we see what is wrong with our situation, we imagine the absolute worst of what could happen. And we just let ourselves be consumed by our circumstances and our problems. And we forget the words, it is I, as, we, as if we never heard them to begin with. And I realized, looking at the disciples, that is very much how our faith walk or faith journey is like. We're so afraid, and then we have a moment of clarity where we feel like we feel invincible, you feel like, oh, just, I feel like I'm on top of the world. And then as soon as that's over, we go back to being afraid again. And just the cycle continues over and over and over again. But in today's scripture, we see that even when we forget and cry out of fear, Christ saves us with his mighty hand. Isn't that what happened to Peter? Jesus didn't let him sink and drown. He didn't go, let's see how long you could swim before I pull you out of the water. He grabbed Peter's arm and rescued him right away. And what does the scripture say? And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? With Jesus' help, Peter was able to overcome his fear. In that moment, in his crisis, he experienced the saving power of Christ pulling him up. And for him, the words, it is I, was no longer just a nice saying. Those words became a living reality in his life. When Jesus says to Peter, why did you doubt? I mean, we see this happen over and over again in the Gospels. Every time the disciples mess up, Jesus goes, why did you doubt? He will say, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When Jesus says to Peter, why did you doubt? He's not talking about intellectual doubt. Every time you hear the word doubt, we think of, oh, we're just doubting in our head. No, when Jesus is asking Peter, why did you doubt? He is addressing Peter's own existential fear of survival, life or death. 
Why are you so afraid? That's what he's asking. There's no logical answer to this. But he is addressing so that Peter could think. Why are you so afraid? And he goes, it is I. You're safe in my hands. The waves won't swallow you up. Just keep your eyes on me. You'll be okay. Just keep your eyes on me. You'll be okay. Faith is very much connected to trust. And the thing about trust is that it requires courage. Trust doesn't come easily. It requires courage. And in our walk, we often experience how much we lack this courage that we need to trust. We feel as if we lack the faith to simply trust in God in the midst of a turbulent storm. But that is where Christ comes and says to us, it is I. I am enough. It is Christ who completes our faith and gives us the strength to overcome our fears. And it is through Christ that we experience God's power bringing peace and calm to our turbulent lives. Last Sunday, Reverend Simon shared his mission report uh, at Sioux Valley. It was a truly memorable experience. Um, I think just talking with our members, uh, both during and after the trip, uh, we realized how much uh, the mission trip affected us. I mean, it really affected everyone deeply. And there was a lot to process and reflect on after the trip. But leading up to the trip, Reverend Simon emphasized the need for us to put our complete trust in God as we prepare to leave. Every training session at the end, I remember him saying repeatedly, you know, I have, we have no idea what's going to happen there. We're just really going there with not knowing much. But we will just trust in God. That God will lead and provide. Of course. Who would disagree with that? Yeah, we, of course we'll trust in God. And that's what I thought. So at times I thought, Dude, do we really need to say that? It kind of felt redundant to say such a thing. But it wasn't until we set our foot in Sioux Valley that the weight of those words really dawned on us. Actually, even, it was even before we set our foot in Sioux Valley. I was on a plane, uh, Jack, who, who led praise for us, uh, a member of our mission team, uh, he's here, but uh, so he, him and I were sitting beside each other on a plane, and the whole ride, I just see him making notes on his phone, looking through the booklet like five times, so I, I remember I turned him like, are you, are you worried? <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah, you know, just I never know what's going to happen, so I just want to be prepared. I mean, it was already happening by the time we were leaving uh, for Sioux Valley. But from the moment we arrived there, I mean, the moment of peace that we had was for three hours when we were on the bus from Winnipeg to Sioux Valley, um, and that was just the only quiet and peace that we had. And the, from the moment we arrived there, it was just go, 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 nonstop. And there wasn't a moment for us during that whole week to really stop and think about anything. Unless we were sleeping, we were constantly moving. From the morning that we got up at 7 a.m., we were just constantly moving. 
And every situation felt, more, felt like more than we can handle. The meal team, and we talked about this last week, had to deal with the constant pressure of preparing enough food for the visitors who came through the doors. There was no RSVP. So it was whoever came through the doors, we had to feed them. And every day, there was more and more and more. At one point, we ran out of rice, went out of rice, so some mission team members, we just had to eat whatever was left. The children's camp team, Caitlin and Charlie, led them. They had to look after the children whose energy never showed any sign of slowing down. The children of their, they, you know how they play? They will come to us and they'll just start a game of tag for no reason. They will tap you and say, you're it, and they'll run away. That means you have to drop whatever it is that you're doing and you have to go chase after them. And they don't need much to play and have fun. It was a whole, this space that we stayed in was like a big warehouse with just a bare stage. And these kids, they just come, run up the stage, go across, jump down, do it all over again, and they just yell and scream and having so much fun. And we had to do this for about six hours every day. They don't, they don't slow down. So I remember like Paul and Justin were just drinking energy drinks every single day trying to uh, survive. Simon and I even barely had any time to adequately prepare for things, let, us our, let alone our uh, morning devotions. Just had no time, nowhere to run away. There was no room. The only rooms there were in the uh, warehouse were washrooms. So we had nowhere to run, and just we are constantly being brought in. So we have to do this and that. So there's no time to ever prepare for anything. And we we're busy trying to adapt to the new environment and meet the demands of each day all at the same time. And it felt like we were stranded at sea. Things seemed totally out of control. And for the first day or so, I think the whole team ran on pure adrenaline. Just like we're there, we didn't think, we just kept on running. But eventually, by midpoint of the week, this took a toll on all of us, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. There were times when I thought to myself, I think it was about Tuesday, I mean, we got there Monday. And on Tuesday, I was like, will I last until Friday? No, I was just, I didn't know if I had it in me. And I just remember some of our more introverted members just all of a sudden just going off on a walk on their own because they just, they, they were just around noise all the time. So for all the members, prayer became our lifeline on this trip. I remember during one of the morning devotions, uh, I shared how prayer is learning to be still and knowing that God is God. How did they come? It just came. I didn't really prepare had time to prepare for it, but that morning came. Ah, this is what we need to do. Learn to be still and know that God is God. Because what else could we stand on at this point? We had nothing. The way to deal with the storms is not to fight them head on. We can never avoid them either. The way to overcome the storms in our lives is to put our trust in the one who has power over them. The one who shows us the way in the midst of all the noise and chaos. It is to focus on Christ who is right there with us. We may, this, we may see the sea as a negative place, a place of danger and uncertainty where bad things are lurking beneath the surface 
waiting to swallow us up at any moment. But Jesus shows us that it can also be a positive place where we experience God's helping hand and walk through what may be threatening or overwhelming us. Where our faith becomes stronger as we sing in oceans today and we come out with a deeper understanding of who our God is. I mentioned about how uh, before, the disciples, when they were struck by the storms and Jesus calmed them, they, they were all remarking to each other, who is this man that has the power to calm these storms and winds? This time, after they experience another storm, they say something completely different. They say, truly, you are the Son of God. No longer, who is this man? But this man that we are wondering about is the Son of God. Fear may be a great force, but faith is an even greater and much stronger force. When the storms come, may we focus on Christ. Let us not fix our eyes on what's going badly, but on who is right there with us in our troubles. Remember the words, it is I, because these are the words of salvation. Nothing can really save us except those words. Hearing them, trusting in them, and following them. And we'll be able to rise above any storm that comes to us, any flood that threatens to swallow us up.